the assassin. You know I break necks, call me Jack Tate. I have no regrets while your life is fading. I'm a crazy fuck equivalent to Satan. When I'm behind the mic, I feel like the greatest. You know I break necks, call me Jack Tate. I have no regrets while your life is fading. I'm a crazy fuck equivalent to Satan. When I'm behind the mic, I feel like the greatest. What up, y'all? You're listening to Sports Talk with Trop, and I'm your host, Katie Trop. Well, everybody. Welcome to Sports Fan Purgatory, the worst time of year if you are a sports fan, especially if you're a sports fan like me where you watch all the sports, but February is usually the dead time of the year for sports just because not a lot's going on. You know, uh, the NBA is going on, but uh, we just had the uh, the All-Star break, so that's uh, that kind of uh, breaks things up a little bit. And then, of course, we've got college basketball, but... Shit doesn't really get good with college basketball until uh, a couple more weeks. So uh, right now it's just, uh, you know, it's that time after the Super Bowl and before March Madness where you're like, what the fuck do I do with my life? You know, that's why I took those last two uh, two episodes off just because uh, I went to uh, Palm Springs. I uh, took a little break because, you know, what, what the fuck else is going on for sports? Not a whole lot. So... With that being said, uh, since there's not a lot going on, I decided today we're going to do topics, uh, drop five topics from each sport, uh, basketball, baseball, and football, uh, just to have some talking points. So we're going to start it off with uh, the NBA, and it's going to be the drop five NBA second half storyline since the second half just kicked off last night. Um, and, uh, none of these topics are really in any type of order. Of course, it's really just, uh, five topics that I've selected to discuss on each sport. So let's start it off with the top five NBA second half storylines, beginning with can the Bucks rebound from their losing streak right now? You know, this team, they fired their coach midway through the season and they replaced him with Doc Rivers. And now, uh, Doc Rivers, very good coach. Uh, he's a championship winning coach. And uh, everybody on the league pretty much has respect for the dude. Um, and I don't question that they, they hired him, of course, but it was just the timing of it all. First of all, they just hired their coach. They, he hadn't even had a full season with this team. So you got to wonder what was going on there. Um, but you could just tell this team really hasn't, um, you know, they were kind of struggling to begin with. They, they've been one of the top teams in the Eastern Conference, but... They're not very consistent. They've been terrible defensively. And then offensively, they're, they're able to get it going, but they're just a very streaky team. And right now, ever since Doc Rivers has taken over as their head coach, are they going to be able to get it going? Are they going to be able to turn this around? Now, I do expect them to at least make the playoffs, but once the playoffs roll around, are they going to be a legit team? Are they going to be a legit squad that anybody respects? And uh, on the defensive side of things, I doubt it right now. But uh, we'll see if they're able to get it going. We'll see if they're able to do something here. But uh, it's kind of looking like that uh, midseason firing of your coach was a pretty stupid move. And uh, it's starting to show because right now the Bucks, I believe, only have, what, five wins, maybe even less ever since Doc Rivers took over. And that's not good. They're getting blown out. They're getting beat up, and they just are not looking like an overall good team. And they should be a, they should be a good team. I mean, you got Giannis, you've got Dame. 
Um, and this team just really, uh, they are battling through injuries as well, but just overall, this team is not looking good. And it's going to be interesting to see what they end up doing with the second half of the season. Uh, then the second topic in my top five NBA second half storylines I have is the Oklahoma City Thunder for real. Uh, this team has been one of the top teams throughout the season. Um, they really haven't even been a streaky team. They've been one of the most consistent, dominant teams. They've even been at the top of the league for the most part. I mean, they've been a top three team all season. And, uh, you know, SGA is right now the top candidate for the MVP. Now, we are only at the beginning of the second half of the season, so everything could change in that regard, um, as well as everything could change for the Oklahoma City Thunder. So I'm actually interested to see, are they fake? Are they a fake-ass team, or are they going to legitimately make a playoff run or potentially even a championship run? Um, so far, they have not let up, though. They've been the most consistent team all season. They've been probably the best team all season. Um, I mean, you can make a lot of arguments for a lot of different teams right now, but as far as consistency goes, the Oklahoma City Thunder have been the most consistent team, and I'm intrigued to see if they're able to keep that up through the second half. And then once the playoffs roll around, are they going to be a legitimate contender, or are they going to be one of those one-and-done teams? And will SGA continue to be a uh, an MVP candidate who potentially wins it all? Then the third topic I have for my top five NBA second-half storylines can the Philadelphia 76ers survive without Joel Embiid? They are for sure going to be without him for another couple of weeks is when they're going to reevaluate him. Um, but chances are they're they're going to be without this dude for at least another month past that. Now, we don't know that for sure, but they've already struggled without him. I mean, even prior to his his major injury, they struggled every single game that he did not play. Then he has a surgery, and now they have not been able to get anything going. And so are they going to be able to even keep their head above water and stay e even within reach of the playoffs? And then if they get into the playoffs, will Embiid not only be healthy, but is he going to even be a factor? I mean, uh, I think it was two, three seasons ago when uh, he, he injured himself kind of towards the, the end of the season, and it just really took the, the wind out of the Philadelphia 76ers' sails, and they just weren't able to get anything going. So is that going to happen this year, where he's going to come back, but he's not going to be as effective as he usually is? Um, so the, the question with the 76ers is, are they going to be able to get anything going? Are they going to be able to, like I said, keep their heads above water and stay in playoff contention until Embiid gets back? And if and when he gets back, is he going to be a factor? Is he going to be good? Is this injury going to be a problem for him? Um, and is he even going to play? Because that's also a big question as well. And, you know, the 76ers, they were looking really damn good when Embiid was healthy. But when he's out, they are a completely different team. And uh, who knows? They may not even make the playoffs, even if he ends up coming back towards the end of the season. Uh, then my fourth topic on my Trap 5 NBA second half storylines Will Zion Williamson make it through an entire season? So far, he has made it through a whole first half of the NBA season. And it's made all the difference for this New Orleans Pelicans team. They are finally getting what they drafted. I mean, Zion's been injured every single year since he got drafted. 
and he's really been unable to finish an entire season or even compete an entire season. You could see the potential and how well the Pelicans play when he's in, and now you can really see it. They are a legit contender this year. If 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 the Pelicans stay healthy, not only with Zion, but the rest of their team, they look really good. They're able to score a lot of points. Uh, Zion has been great in the paint, but over the last month, he's really been starting to score points as well. So now he's getting to an all-around game where he's got defense, offense, rebounds, assists, steals, blocks. He is doing everything. And if he's able to maintain this health, the New Orleans Pelicans, I actually think, are a legit and real team. You've got McCollum playing at a high level, and they're just really... They just really look good with Zion healthy. So if he stays healthy, I think the Pelicans are a legit competitive squad. But it's possible he could always get injured, of course. We've got a whole second half left to go. So who knows if he's going to be able to maintain it through an entire season. But fingers crossed Zion makes it through the entire season and we're actually finally able to see the full potential of what the New Orleans Pelicans could absolutely be. And then rounding out my top five NBA second half storylines are who is event, who is actually going to win the Western Conference and who is actually going to win the Eastern Conference. Now, the Eastern Conference is a lot more clear cut, in my opinion. Right now, the Boston Celtics have a seven game lead over the Cleveland Cavaliers um, and everybody else is completely they are so far behind them. It's not even funny. So the Eastern Conference Conference looks like it's going to be all Boston Celtics, at least for the regular season. And then once the playoffs hit, we'll see what happens there. But the Western Conference is a lot more of a clusterfuck than the Eastern Conference. Right now, this is how the, the Western Conference breaks down. We've got Minnesota at number one, Oklahoma City at number two, the Clippers at three, Denver at four, the Pelicans at five, Dallas at six, the Phoenix Suns at seven, the Sacramento Kings at eight, then my Lakers at 9, and the Golden State Warriors at 10. So it's pretty convoluted right here. Of course, it's really the top five that have a real stranglehold on everything right now. And then you have Dallas and Phoenix who are starting to get hot right now. Uh, but, you know, Minnesota, Oklahoma City, and Denver, they're all in the same conference, or they're all in the same division. So they're going to beat each other up. But they've been beating each other up all season, and they've still maintained uh, top five level all season long. So those three teams looking like they're making the playoffs for sure. Then you have the Clippers who've been playing really well. And then, like I said, the New Orleans Pelicans playing great uh, with Zion. And then Dallas and Phoenix hot. Sacramento and Los Angeles and Golden State definitely not consistent. But uh, the Lakers actually, they've been pretty hot as of late. They, they went into the All-Star break on a nice little winning streak, playing some really good basketball. They did lose to the Warriors last night. Um, but, you know, the Lakers, who knows? They could potentially make a run here. Sacramento's been very streaky, and so have the Warriors, but both of those teams are completely capable of making a run here. But to me, the top of the Western Conference is probably going to end up being Minnesota, Oklahoma City, and Denver. Uh, between one of those three, potentially, I wouldn't be shocked if they're the one, two, and three seeds right there because those three teams have been the most consistent 
the only thing that's stopped Denver so far are the injuries. Uh, Minnesota, they've been playing consistent. Oklahoma City's been playing consistent. And then you've got the Clippers. Meh, I've, I've never been sold on them. Uh, but they're still playing really well right now. And so it's going to be int- interesting to see what happens with the Western Conference, whereas the Eastern Conference, it's been dominated by Boston from game one. It's continued to be dominated by Boston all the way through the second half of the season. And uh, right now, a seven-game lead is a pretty significant lead. So it's going to take a pretty big collapse, plus a pretty big run from some other Eastern Conference team to actually snatch the Eastern Conference from the Boston Celtics. Now moving on to baseball, because uh, spring training has officially started for everybody. It's been great to, uh, to finally get some good baseball talk in. We had our first spring training game yesterday yesterday between the Dodgers and the Padres. And so uh, baseball is completely underway. Hell, we still have some really good free agents out there. So that things can actually change uh, with a lot of teams right now. But uh, right now, uh, these are the five topics that I've decided to, to discuss. The Trop 5 2024 MLB season storylines, beginning with can the Texas Rangers repeat? Because they they had a storybook season last year. You know, um, they uh, they signed Bruce Bochy in the offseason to uh, be their manager. I knew he was going to turn things around. I knew he had the potential to win them a championship. I did not think it was going to be so quick. I expected them to have a solid, positive turnaround last year, but I did not expect them to win a championship, and that is exactly what they did. They overcame a lot. They had numerous injuries to uh, Jacob deGrom, and they traded for Max Scherzer, who then also started getting injured, and uh, they're they're they were able to overcome all of those terrible injuries and uh, to win the World Series. Now, it's always really difficult to repeat, especially in baseball. So, and they're also in the division with the Houston Astros, uh, the Seattle Mariners. So they're, they're in a really tough division. Then you have other teams on the come up um, who could potentially do some big things like the Yankees, of course, and the Toronto Blue Jays, the Baltimore Orioles. Uh, there's just the potential for a lot of teams to come after them. And so it's going to be interesting to see if Texas is able to repeat this year, if they're even able to be a competitive team this year, because even though you won the World Series last year, that doesn't mean a goddamn thing now this year. This is a completely different team. Uh, While they've made some improvements, still anything can happen, injuries, and uh, it's just a completely different year in all ways, shapes, and forms. So it's going to be interesting to see if the Rangers are able to repeat this year. Then at number two on my Trop 5 2024 MLB season storylines, Juan Soto with the New York Yankees. The Yankees decided to trade for him uh, from the San Diego Padres this offseason. He is in the last year of his contract, so it's potential he could sign with the Yankees again next year, but that's not what they're worried about right now. Um, For the Yankees, I feel like this is for them to get some more depth because their big problem last year – was injuries. You know, um, the seasons before that, it was their starting pitching. Well, last year, starting pitching wasn't too bad. Uh, Their bullpen was excellent. But then it was just the injuries to Aaron Judge, to Stanton, and then uh, to Nestor Cortez, um, and then to Rodon. They had some really big key injuries last year. So uh, they really needed to bolster their offense. And Juan Soto, if there's one thing that he's proven is he's very, very durable. He's also very young, so that plays into the durability. But he definitely 
adds them a huge source of offense, which is what they've really needed. I mean, last year, the Yankees had one of the best pitching staffs in the league. So now with Rodon in there, um, healthy, and then you've got Cortez, healthy, and then you've got uh, Cole coming off of his Cy Young winning year, I actually expect the Yankees to have a really good season Uh, And it's going to be interesting to see how Juan Soto fits right in. But I feel like he's going to uh, definitely give them some depth, uh, especially because there's, at this point, Stanton has turned into the injury-prone guy. Uh, He seems to get injured every single year at this point. So Soto is going to have to come in and help this team offensively. I think that's what he's going to do. And we'll see if he ends up being a Yankee um, past this year. But, you know, he is playing a contract year. Usually contract years um, tend to be some of the best years from certain players. So I actually expect Juan Soto to probably have one of the greatest seasons he's ever had in his entire career, uh, which in turn I think is going to give the Yankees a really good um, season this year. Then at number three on my Trop 5 2024 MLB season storylines, Shohei Otani with the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, The Dodgers, the rich get richer. Now, the Dodgers, it doesn't matter. They keep signing all these great guys, and they still can't win a World Series, so that's cool. Um, Otani, though, um, was obviously the best guy out on the market this year. He is not going to be pitching this year because he did have the uh, the Tommy John surgery, so him pitching is not going to happen until at least next year, and who knows, that may may even be off the table as well because Tommy John is usually a a really difficult recovery, but he is going to be playing the DH position this year for the Dodgers. So he's definitely going to become a huge source of offense for them. I don't expect him to lose a step at all. Um, I expect him to be great. Um, the, the Dodgers have a stacked lineup, of course, as they always do. Um, they've made some big moves even outside of Otani this year. Their starting pitching looks like it's going to be really good. Um, and it looks like they're just going to be a a great team yet again, at least in the regular season for sure. But it's going to be interesting to see how Otani fits in with this team. And then uh, for the future, it looks like they will potentially have another um, potential ace starting pitcher um, once he recovers from the Tommy John surgery. But right now, he's definitely going to be a huge source of offense for them this year. Um, It's not like the Dodgers really needed to uh, sell any more tickets, but he's definitely going to put more butts in the seats. Um, but, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what Otani does because, uh, he was, he was solid with the A's and now he's finally with the team where he could potentially, uh, not only win a championship, but we're actually going to see what he could do in the postseason and see if he's a legit player in the postseason or if he's just a regular season guy. Then at number four on my Trop 5 2024 MLB season storylines, can the Baltimore Orioles dominate again? Last year, the Orioles were the top team, at least in the regular season they were. They were the most consistent team in the American League. They dominated the uh, the AL East division. It wasn't even close. This young team, and it's a young, young team. They've got really good players at a lot of different positions, but this is baseball. And in baseball, it really is difficult to be good and maintain your level of dominance for multiple years. If you're able to do that, it's it's really difficult to do. But um, so I wouldn't be shocked if the if the Orioles ended up taking a step back. Now, technically, they shouldn't because, like I said, they've got 
really good players. Um, uh, you know, they've got Rutschman at catcher, who's a young guy. Uh, they've got uh, uh, Gunnar Henderson, the shortstop, who's also a young guy. Uh, they've got quite a few young guys on the come up who are just really, really good. They kind of remind me of the Houston Astros before they started winning World Series. Um, where, you know, they, they drafted a lot of really solid players. And once they started to come up and make the big leagues and then actually started to uh, really get into the to the Houston Astros system, that's how they built the team and core that they built. And here the Houston Astros are. And so that's kind of what the Baltimore Orioles have reminded me of. They've really built up a strong core with a lot of young guys. Uh, the starting pitching looks pretty solid as well. So it's going to be interesting to see if... The Baltimore Orioles can not only bounce off of what they did last year. I'm not saying they're going to dominate the regular season like they did last year, but it would be nice to see if they're able to have a good regular season, go into the playoffs, make a really nice playoff run, and potentially win a championship and be one of the new teams on the come up and who's able to maintain some type of dominance. Because last year was a pretty shocking year from the Orioles, like I said, they they dominated the regular season, um, and they never let up. They were the top team, one of the top teams all season long, and it was because they had all these really young guys really starting to excel, and it's going to be interesting to see if they're able to uh, take, build off of what they did from last season and see if they could take off and, and go to a whole other level. And then at number five on my Trop 5 2024 MLB season storylines, Ellie De La Cruz. Uh, he took the league by storm last year, Cincinnati Reds uh, player. He just, he looked really good last year. He looks like he's going to be the next phenom to come in and do some, you know, be like a five-tool player. Um, because being a five-tool player is, uh, it's really difficult. It's not something we always see. They're very few and far between. We, we do have a few in the league, of course, today. And so is Ellie De La Cruz going to be that next guy? He is with the Reds. So the Reds have not been successful um, over the last few years. I don't really expect them to be successful this year. So it's possible he might actually be that next guy who's on the move and uh, could make a di be a difference maker on a legit contender in the seasons uh, to come. But um, if I'm the Reds, you got to hang on to this dude because he's probably the only thing putting butts in seats uh, right now. Um, and he he's the only probably going to be the only good thing to watch about this team as well. But knowing the Reds, they're probably going to trade them away at some point. I wouldn't say this season they're going to do it, but I wouldn't be surprised if in the next couple of years we see De La Cruz with another team. But let's see what he does this year. You know, last year, like I said, he took the league by storm. And he played some amazing games. He did some amazing things. And we'll see if he's able to do it again this year and just uh, hopefully get the Reds some wins um, instead of watching them just completely shit the bed. But uh, he's he's been an exciting player. Is he uh, Was he just a flash in the pan last year, or is he definitely the future of the league? To me, he looks like the future of the league. Um, very exciting player to watch, at least in my opinion, and I'm intri intrigued to see um, what he ends up doing this year and what he ends up doing for the rest of his career as well. Now moving on to uh, topics from the NFL uh, I decided we're going to do the top five NFL free agents. Of course, none of these are in order. Um, as the, the other topics, this is not any type of order. It's just uh, five dudes, I believe, are going to be uh, 
highly sought after and should be huge different make, difference makers depending on who ends up signing them. So let's begin with uh, number one on my top five NFL free agents, uh, Chris Jones, the defensive tackle of the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, ever since he hit the league, he has actually been one of the top defensive tackles in the league. And to be one of the top defensive tackles or even to have a halfway defense, decent defensive tackle in the league, that's few and far between because there's really few who dominate the way Chris Jones done, does. He's very athletic, and uh, this entire season, the Chiefs defense has been playing at a, a high level, and I feel like he's been the main reason why. You saw it in the Super Bowl um, when he he kept making the, the few little plays he made against Brock Purdy that just throw him off of his timing. They made all the difference in that Super Bowl. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if he re-signs with the Chiefs, but, you know, last year it was contentious for them in the offseason. Uh, they ended up uh, franchise tagging him. He said, no, I'm not playing for the franchise tag. He held out through the offseason. He held out through week one. The Chiefs lost in week one, and they were like, fuck that shit. They ended up signing him to a one-year deal, and uh, now he's going to be out on the free agent market. Like I said, I wouldn't be shocked to see him back with the Kansas City Chiefs. But if he's not with the Kansas City Chiefs, whoever signs this guy, he's in the prime of his career right now. This guy is playing fantastic football. And uh, anybody who signs Chris Jones is getting one of the top guys in the league. And he's going to be a huge difference maker on any defense he plays on. Then at number two on my top five NFL free agents, I have Derrick Henry, the running back of the Tennessee Titans. Um, even though Christian McCaffrey is probably the number one overall running back in the league, Derrick Henry's right there with him. Derrick Henry, I feel like, just gets lost because he's in Tennessee. But whoever gets Derrick Henry is getting an all-around excellent running back. He is a prototypical running back that you want on your team. He could run up the middle. He can run to the side. He could throw the football. He can catch the football. He Once he gets out in the open space, he can juke. He can make moves. He is one of the best running backs still in the league, most consistent. So whoever gets him, and he could be a huge difference maker for a team like the Cowboys or for a team like the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, one of these teams that is right there, like if he went to the Cowboys, to me that would be my perfect fit. I, I ha I'm hoping the Cowboys signed Derrick Henry. I was pissed that they didn't trade for him last year when they had the opportunity to. So I'm really, really hoping they, they're able to go after him. I don't really know, under, know what's going to go on with the free agency and um, what kind of salary cap situation the Cowboys are in right now. But if they're able to sign Derrick Henry, I would love it because he would be the perfect last piece they are missing in their offense because he's a superstar. He would be great behind that offensive line. He'd be great weapon for Dak in the field. He can block as well. He's just an all-around excellent running back. But even if it's not the Cowboys, like I said, a team like the Ravens could use him. If he just goes to a team that's already set and locked in and really is just missing the running back position, he's going to be a difference maker. He could easily take you to the Super Bowl. He's a He's durable as well. And uh, I feel like anybody who signs Derrick Henry is going to, to be getting a great running back. Um, it doesn't look like he's going back to the Titans. It's a possibility, but it's looking like Derrick Henry's moving on. And I think he's one of the best um, options out there for any team looking for a running back. Then at number three on my top five NFL free agents, Mike Evans, wide receiver of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. He has had a thousand, year, uh, thousand yards 
every single year that he has been in the league. He's one of the most consistent wide receivers in the league. Um, he's got playoff experience. He's won Super Bowls. He's played with multiple different quarterbacks. He's pl- had multiple different coaches. The guy is the epitome of consistency. Whoever signs Mike Evans is getting a fantastic receiver. Now, I would not be shocked if he re-signs with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, of course. He's he's reiterated that he would like to stay there, but of course, he wants money too, and he deserves to get paid. Um, so I feel like Mike Evans could be an absolute difference maker wherever he goes. Um, and, and like I said, he's been very consistent wherever he goes. So um, he's definitely going to... Um, to me, he's one of the top guys left or one of the top guys out there in free agency. Then at number uh, four on my top five NFL free agents, Josh Allen, defensive end Josh Allen of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, you don't really hear much about Josh Allen because he plays for the Jaguars. Plus, his name is Josh Allen, just like the quarterback Josh Allen of the Buffalo Bills. But the defensive end Josh Allen is just as much of a beast as quarterback Josh Allen, except in a different way. Uh, You know, the defensive end Josh Allen, he is a quarterback killer. He gets at the quarterback. He has been one of the top five defensive ends in the league in sacks since he hit the scene. He is a killer. Whoever gets this guy, which he could still end up staying in Jacksonville, wouldn't be shocked if he did, but whoever gets him is getting a top, top, preem, primo defender. And then at number five on my top five NFL free agents, Kirk Cousins, uh, quarterback of the Minnesota Vikings. Um, him and the Vikings have both said they have mutual interest with each other, but it also would not be shocking if the Vikings do end up moving on from Kirk Cousins. And if they do, that means he's going to be a free agent. And, I mean, even though Cousins, obviously not the greatest quarterback of all time, but he's still a good quarterback. And uh, you can't just find good quarterbacks. And when when you got a, a Kirk Cousins out there, a team that just could use a quarterback, like, for example, the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers absolutely 100% need a quarterback. And, uh, you know, Mike Tomlin... He seems like the type of guy who would prefer bringing in some type of veteran quarterback rather than molding and shaping a rookie quarterback. That hasn't worked out for him so well. So I wouldn't be shocked if Kirk Cousins were to go to a team like the Steelers who could use a quarterback. He could plug him in and, um, you know, they've got a young squad so he could come in and bring some uh, veteran leadership to the team. I'm not saying he's going to go to the Steelers. Uh, like I said, I want to, I, I feel like Cousins is going back to the Vikings. Um, but, I mean, I feel like he's just he's good enough to get the job done. Of course, he is coming off of that Achilles injury, so that's always very questionable. But he's still a good quarterback. He's got the job done over the years. He's been very consistent. It's just he hasn't won the big game. And uh, you could actually say that about a lot of quarterbacks around the league these days. Um but I, I kind of feel like he's going right back to the Vikings. The, the team, the players love him. The coaches love him. The owners love him. He likes being there. He's fit right in. I just kind of wouldn't be, sh- I wouldn't be shocked if he re-signs with them. But I also wouldn't be shocked if they were to move on and let him go and try and go after one of these rookie quarterbacks. But that could set you back just a bit. So who knows? 
what's going to happen with Kirk Cousins. But I do think even though he's coming off of that Achilles injury, he's definitely going to be a difference maker on a team who who need who needs a quarterback and who could definitely use a veteran quarterback to bring a veteran president presence and who could put, who could possibly um, change things around and change the trajectory of your squad. And uh, then also uh, in NFL news, we do uh, now that the Super Bowl is over, we do have the uh, NFL draft order. So I'll just go in order of the first round. Um, the number one uh, pick is going to be the Chicago Bears. They actually got that. Uh, via the Carolina Panthers and the trade that they made with them last year prior to the draft. Uh, number two pick's going to be the Washington Commanders. Number three, the New England Patriots. Number four, Arizona Cardinals. Number five, Los Angeles Chargers. Number six, the New York Giants. Number seven, the Tennessee Titans. Number eight, the Atlanta Falcons. Number nine, the Chicago Bears. Number 10, the New York Jets. Number 11, Minnesota Vikings. Number 12, Denver Broncos. 13, Las Vegas Raiders, 14, New Orleans Saints, 15, Indianapolis Colts, 16, Seattle Seahawks, 17, Jacksonville Jaguars, 18, Cincinnati Bengals, 19, Los Angeles Rams, Pittsburgh Steelers at 20, 21, Miami Dolphins, 22, Philadelphia Eagles, 23, the Houston Texans, which they got that via the Cleveland Browns when they traded for uh, Deshaun Watson. Uh, The 24th pick is going to go to the Dallas Cowboys, 25, Green Bay Packers, 26, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 27, the Arizona Cardinals via the Houston Texans, 28, the Buffalo Bills, 29, the Detroit Lions, 30, Baltimore Ravens, 31, San Francisco 49ers, and the 32nd overall pick is going to go to the Kansas City Chiefs. So that is a breakdown on the uh, NFL draft. We, of course, have about two months to go from that, but... You know, since it's the end of the season, that is what we have to look forward to with football. Of course, the uh, the combine comes up, I believe, next week, um, and then it's going to be free agency the following week, and then it'll be all about the draft, and uh, we'll see what goes on from there. I, of course, was going to do the uh, Trop 5 fights um, coming up, but when I was looking over the fights from both the UFC and boxing, I'm pretty disappointed in both uh, leagues right now because there aren't any uh, really good fights coming up in the UFC or in boxing, at least scheduled right now. Now it's only February 23rd, so there's plenty of time for for uh, things to get scheduled. Um, I, I expect a Canelo Alvarez fight's going to be announced here pretty soon, I would imagine, uh, uh, just because he usually fights. He'll probably fight around Cinco de Mayo or somewhere, somewhere around May, so I imagine they're going to be announcing some type of fight for him soon. But man, I was looking over the fights and I couldn't even stretch it out and try and fake that I was, I personally, you know, this is just my personal opinion. I don't think anything good's coming up for either UFC or or boxing at this point. You know, with boxing, there's a couple gimmicky fights, but I don't give two shits and a fuck about the gimmicky fights. I like the actual legit fights that matter. And then UFC, there's just really nothing coming up. There's a few that I guess you would call good fights, or at least they're going to be top-level tier fights, but they're with fighters I just personally don't really care too much about, or there just isn't a lot on the line right now. So there weren't any fights for me to talk about, So at least at this point. So that's kind of shitty, but whatever. It is sports fan purgatory, and that is what's to be expected. So enjoy our, uh, our week weekend of sports. And I will talk to you fools on Monday.